Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Boink Radio Podcast, your favorite podcast right here on the Boink Network Discord server, covering Boink news and science news of the past week. You are welcome to join in the discussion here right on the Boink Network Discord server. All you need to do is hook up a mic and join the live recording every Friday at 4 p.m. EST, of whatever that is, UTC. <laughs> and if you oh, are just ADT. Or ADT, what's ADT? Isn't that like a... ADT, uh, Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Oh, I think it's a security company here in the U.S. (laughs) So that lovely person you hear right there is Delta, and I am Jay Ringo, and we're here every Friday. We bring the topics, we talk about them, and like I said, anyone is welcome to join. And if you are just listening to this for the first time, we're starting the live recording a little late because Delta just started his own segment called The Project Brief, where he's covering uh, Boink projects, uh, sort of what they do, the, the science behind them, and just introducing them in a really, really palatable way. So be sure to check those out those should be on the same podcast channel uh same author as this show uh the author is called boink network and the show is called the project brief uh, like and subscribe like, <laughs> click that like button smash that like button oh man it's so aggressive i can never tell someone to smash anything smash that bug no you take the bug outside open a window catch the fly and put it outside what, what kind of monster are you? I think it's a good time <laughs> to roll the intro now. <laughs> roll the intro. Wait, before we even get there, Delta, tell us about your tea today. Oh, um, yeah, the tea is pretty usual, but um, the more interesting thing is we got rain. It's been raining consistently for the last two days here in um, Eastern Australia. And oh, uh, so it's glad. actually, I'm so glad to hear yeah, that. it's it's really, psychologically, it's really uplifting, especially to the um, to the firefighters out in the uh, fire firegrounds at the moment. Even though it's not enough rain to really put out a bushfire, it has really helped in in the efforts to control them. Especially since that because it's raining, it means there's a whole lot of moisture coming in. It's also really cool now here in Australia. It's like right now it's around 22 degrees ish, and um, the fire conditions are as as we record them low to moderate and high, which is the lowest and second to lowest fire danger. Now, as a result of the rains, we've had less than a hundred uh, fires, uh, less less than a hundred bushfires now burning. Uh, there are no bushfires at emergency level, um, and there are recovery efforts now which are coming into play. Uh, there has been a total of uh, two billion dollars contributed by the Australian government, and over a hundred, hundred fifty to two hundred fifty million dollars donated from uh, private individuals and from around the world. And um, hopefully we should be able to put all this into effect and recover from the bushfires pretty brilliantly. Awesome. Here's hoping. And uh, uh, I I saw someone ask on a different Discord, uh, is is there any way that Boink can help with uh, like a Boink project or computing can help these sort of fires in the future? Well, um, the only way that I can probably think of it is through um, like the weather and predicting the weather. Uh, We do have climate prediction at home or uh, sorry, climateprediction.net. I think it is. Um, now, uh, the thing is, we have what's called the Bureau of Meteorology, and they do a pretty good job already. They have they have all the computing power they need. They have all the models. They have all the AI. They have everything they need. Um, but in terms of recovery efforts, um, nothing particularly that Boink could do. But there is another type of service called Zooniverse, um, Zooniverse.org, which has done something similar in the past. It, it's uh, There was a project on Zooniverse.org called Planetary Rescue. And uh, it was something that was started up after Hurricane Irma and Maria, which hit, I think, uh, was it the Caribbean islands in Florida, if I'm not mistaken? And um, essentially what they did was they took satellite imagery 
and they took a look at places where helicopters can land because the the um, emergency services this, yeah. yeah yeah the the emergency services needed to find places to land so because they needed to skim such huge areas on satellite they said okay here listen all you people find us some areas to land and they did it within about 3 hours and it <laughs> was spectacular some of the uh... I think sometimes when you close out the project briefs, you say, uh, you mentioned that the brain is the most powerful supercomputer in the world. And it's like, yep, this just goes to show that that is yep. very true. You well, put, also like, the power of the masses. The power of the masses. Yeah. You, you link all these brains together and you just show them a picture and say, help us find places to land. And they do it. That's really mm. cool. I'm glad it's raining for you. Yep. I'm really glad too. So you're no longer a Mars simulator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are there are there are green patches on my lawn now. It was like almost fully uh, gray and orange, but yeah, now we're getting some green and it's lovely. Wow, grass is an amazing plant. Just a little side here, like what other plant can do that? Like completely die, get eaten, and and just come back as soon as it rains again. That's awesome. All right, time for the intro. All right, so jumping into some Boink stuff. This is a news article that will be in the description below coming from the 15th of August of this past year. It is titled Stockholm Science and Innovation School Competition Donates 25 Years of Computing Time to Cancer and Microbiome Research. Uh, it's put out by World Community Grid, which is one of the uh, major projects on the Boink network. And uh, this sort of ties into exactly what I was talking about last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago. I don't know. In a previous episode, we had Tomas on here talking about a project he's setting up and talking about all the stuff he learns from software, from, from programming to setting up the, the server side to the science itself he wanted to do. And this takes those concepts and puts it right in high school, just like I was talking about. So yeah, there yeah. is an, uh, a, 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 what do you call it, an example out there if anyone else wants to bring stuff to their high school to get them uh, crunching boing projects and setting up some really cool stuff. Uh, were you going to say something, Delta? Yeah, I was going to say, I was just reading it and uh, talking about learning from software and setting things up. The students did create their own little scoreboard and they um, integrated, uh, they said they integrated the World Community Grid API, which shows all the scores and everything of the team, and they put it up around the school, apparently. So it's another great way where students can learn software programming and stuff like that. Yep, it was what? It was a competition between uh, five teams, four student teams and one teacher team to see who could donate the most computing time in one month. And uh, they decided between a couple projects. And like you said, they, they hooked into the API and they put it throughout the school. So it wasn't just these teams who were um, sort of involved in this process because it's a competition. So it turned into like a school pride sort of thing, probably. And <laughs> so everyone in the school was seeing this, uh, this visualization of the work they're doing on uh, the, the microbiome immunity project hosted out of World Community Grid and probably asked a question or two, at least. It's like, why is this thing on the screen? It's a base level question. <laughs> uh, at most, learned a little bit about microbiomes and uh, what computational science can do to help us learn about them. Uh, and the project also says that once they were done with the competition, they set stuff up to keep going. Uh, so there's, I think there's still computing, or yeah, computing different world community grid projects, and I don't know if they were introduced to any other projects on the Boink network running the Boink infrastructure, but that would be pretty neat to know. Uh, and another question I would have is that they uh, they mentioned here that the students fixed a bunch of computers and got them running, and I'm wondering if that meant 
they found broken computers and then fixed them up specifically to run the Boink project because that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, that does sound cool because um, uh, the great thing about Boink is that it can run on pretty much almost anything. It runs on pretty much all the platforms, Android except for iOS. Android, Linux, Windows, Mac OS runs on everything, so you can fix computers. But the one thing I do hope is that they actually got permission to use <laughs> high, the high school commu- computers if they were using them other than their personal ones because that is an important thing it is in the uh, boink terms of service to gain permission for computers that you um, don't own as to whether you can use them for boink very important <laughs> very important yes because uh, it does take energy to run these computers so you don't want to be doing it without permission but i can't think of any teacher if you went up to them and said hey can we do this science project i can't think of any teacher who would just say no Get out of my office. <laughs> <Come Yeah. on. laughs> um, to For anyone else who is thinking about doing this with either their school or their students, uh, here's just some stats on a post-competition survey. Uh, the majority of the students said they enjoyed the competition and want to do it again in the future. Uh, the most frustrating part had to do with the installation process. And I think we'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit. And uh, figuring out how to maximize their contributions without affecting the performance of their computers. So it sounds like they were running these on computers they were also using to do other stuff on, which is also pretty cool. But that also makes me think they didn't find computers to fix up. So there's a little confusion there. Then some some advice from the project, uh, the people who ran the projects. as uh, as follows. <laughs> Make sure the students know how to adjust their computer settings ahead of time. Uh, think about the type of competition that will work best with your school and student culture. So this was coming out of the SSIS, which is the Stockholm Science and Innovation School. So if you're working for like a, spe- a science specialized or a space specialized school, there's plenty of space projects to work on. If you're working with a, a biology specialized school, you can do World Community Grid or several other projects. Uh, if you're working with a math class, you know, you can do a math project. There's so many different projects to choose from because this is Boink, a giant infrastructure with over 30 uh, computational projects running on it. Uh, or, you know, if you want to do a sensor project, you can listen to the project brief that Delta just recorded and should be uploaded at the same time as this show. <laughs> and what, what, uh, run radio at grammar school. Grammar school? Um, yeah, grammar school. I think um, there's a project, I think, somewhere out there. I don't know what the name of it is, but it's doing the experiment where if you have enough monkeys at a typewriter, you'll eventually write out all of Shakespeare. (laughs) So I guess that's the closest (laughs) one. (laughs) Awesome project. Uh, So, uh, yeah, to wrap this up, I guess, uh, this is a an amazing initiative, and I'm really happy. I just saw this on World Community Grid's Twitter, which is at WCGrid. Uh, and yes, 25 years of computing time, 45,945 results, all for a scientific project, lots of education going on. It's really neat to see that these initiatives are happening, uh, at least in one place. And I know I've heard of a couple others. I think there was a student who uh, visited a research facility in like Canada recently. So maybe I'll dig something up from that for uh, next week's episode. But yeah, that's all I've got for uh, for this article. Delta, you got anything you want to share? Yeah, um, I was going to talk about the Boink roadmap that I picked up for the um, next for the coming uh, developments in Boink, and uh, it's an important thing because uh, you did mention user um, user experience and uh, setting things up and uh, efficiency as well, which is also mentioned in the roadmap. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at the roadmap right now. This is extensive. This is really exciting yeah. to see. So uh, yeah, just some things about um, usability. A good thing uh, is uh, they they mention in one of the high priority items uh, eliminate GPU streaming glitches. And so what this means is when you're watching a video, 
Um, Boink gives you the option to only use the computer if you haven't used it in X amount of time. So like when you're away from your computer, it'll just automatically start up. And then when you come back and move the mouse, it'll automatically shut down. Now the issue with this is what if you're watching a video? So you're not moving the mouse, but you are using the computer. And then suddenly in the middle of your video, it just starts stuttering because your GPU comes online, your CPU comes online with Boink and everything's happening. And and suddenly you're just the experience of using the computer while also contributing uh, contributing to science is just ruined. And so in the roadmap items, uh, they're going to try and fix this issue by trying to figure out whether video playback is currently according. And uh, yeah, another uh, issue they have is energy efficiency. So um, essentially what they're trying to do with energy efficiency is they're trying to look at what different operating systems have in terms of changing the power consumption of the CPUs by the looks of it. And um, so they could, uh, they, they might want to do this for a couple of reasons. One might be for heat. So you don't want your computer to overheat too much because that can actually damage the components. Even though I've said before in past Boink Radio episodes that running your PC at 100% on everything is completely fine because it's built for it. Make sure you keep it cool though. <laughs> Otherwise, some issues are going to happen. And so this, they're saying that... Um, with each of these different power states, they've wanted to figure out how much computation you can do with each of them to maybe find some sort of efficient combination that makes it so that you're doing the most amount of computation with the least amount of energy. So that's um, one other thing that they're doing. Yeah, uh, and that ties into uh, a comment we got on the Discord server a couple, uh, I think it was last week, where someone was uh, expressing concerns or just questions about the energy usage of computers running Boink and whether it's actually carbon neutral versus the good they're doing for science and all that stuff. So while this doesn't answer the full question, it is definitely showing that other people do think about that within the uh, Boink ecosystem, the Boink development team. So I'm sure there will be more stuff coming up on energy uh, efficiency in the future. Also, another good point on that uh, notion is, um, does the Boink client and manager actually impact on any computation? Uh, currently, as it stands, not really, no. But um, if you really want to go into the deep end of making your computer the most efficient, you can get what's called the headless Boink setup, which is where you don't have the manager, you just have the client, and it just runs in the background. And that's mostly for technical users and for servers, but it's if you want to go the extra mile. Now, um, another one of the developments that are coming up in Boink is simplified project setup. So this is, uh, I think, what we talked about sometime before... Um, about projects being uh, set up and how hard it is to set up a project. I think uh, Tomas uh, came on and uh, talked about how hard it is to set up a Boink project. Um, and albeit he did it, but it was a pretty long road. <laughs> and so essentially they're trying to improve the, what's called the out-of-the-box experience, as they say, oob. Um, and so we they, they take it from the direction, they take from the perspective of a scientist coming in and saying, okay, what do I need to do to set up a Boink project? And so what they've planned, which is also in another document that they have quoted here, is that they intend to make it sort of like a package. So if any of those, if any of you out there know what Docker is, they're trying to make a Docker package to try and set up a Boink, um, a Boink server. So instead of having to set up a web server and set up an email server and set up a this server and set up a that server, you just load up the Docker and it just sets up everything for you. And so that's one way that they're trying to make it better. And um, they have other ideas too, like for example, a uniform Python package maybe. Um, but yeah, essentially they just want to make it cleaner and make sure the documentation is up to date. 
Now, um, as that would for... be uh, uh, so that would that would be absolutely amazing. We talked a little bit about costs of setting up a Blink project last episode. Uh, or was it two episodes? I get them all confused. But uh, this would reduce costs drastically if like you didn't need to find specialists to set up a Blink project. That would be amazing. Yeah, because the costs are the the costs do add up, and it is a little bit on the expensive side. And thankfully, most of these Boink projects are run uh, and supported by universities. Um, and in the case of World Community Grid, IBM. But uh, there are some uh, Boink projects that do run on like a laptop sitting in a cupboard. <laughs> That's uh, I think that was uh, Amicable Numbers is still doing that, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, yeah, so it is possible to do it without the cost. But it is if you want to make a big project, it does take a little bit of costs. Now it's just a different type of co- type of cost, really. Like the, if you set this up in your project, you have to learn how to do the website. You have to learn how to do the application side and all that stuff. If you could do it just point and click, or at least more point and click. Yeah, all these institutions, all these universities would be setting up point projects. But imagine just like the citizen scientists who would jump on board and be like, I don't need to learn how to program an application or like set up a web server. Yeah, I'm like a blank project. I just found this data set. I'll make yeah. a quick one and run, run it for a week or yeah. two. But also on the side of the cruncher, we also have some UI and user experience improvements that are quoted in this document. And so as you were saying before, the installation process for, from the student's experience was a little bit frustrating. And uh, they say here that they want to run a focus group to study um, what makes people want to sign up to Boink, how the sign-up process works, how the installation process, uh, process works, and what makes people stop participating, they also quote here. And so by collecting that data, they can probably figure out how they can improve it. <clears throat> I'll, uh, they, yep. I have a, a little issue with that. So the, the focus group part, that the make, making a better UX and UI, amazing. All the stu- there have been so many studies done on what people do to contr- why people contribute to open source projects or distributed computing networks and uh, how to make a better UX and UI. You don't need to run a focus group for this. You need to get someone who has designed a UX UI before and help get them in. It's, that's one of the hardest part of doing a Frost project is getting a designer in on the project because they don't do code, they do, they do design. But you will find that a lot of college students now want to get uh, GitHub projects on the resume as designers. So it's not that it's not as difficult anymore to find a UX UI designer without spending money and months usually on a focus group. Uh, that just seems like a massive waste of time. Uh, but it is awesome to see that they are thinking about doing UX UIs. Yeah, um, and uh, the great thing is that can go on your resumes pretty well. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah if, you're, if you're a startup designer, just do something with an open source project, slap it on that resume. Um, yeah, the idea yeah. of doing more studies on why people use Boink and why they leave it is absolutely, uh, I, I want to know some rationale to that, <laughs> to, to push on that a little yeah, more. Yeah, there are like six or seven studies already on it. It's, why do we need to do another? Yeah, but uh, but, going yeah. going further in there, um, it does mention that they are looking at something like maybe an Adobe tool for mocking up different GUIs, changing and replacing the GUI and web interfaces because, honestly, the default web interface for most of the Boink projects is pretty bland and it's really outdated. So I think that that is something that they will definitely want to, want to do it. Um, and they have a note here, Matt whoever Matt is, is working with Giuseppe, whoever Giuseppe is, hopefully in Italy. <laughs> and his uh, yeah, design Giuseppe, he was at the Boink workshop and he's a UX UI designer who came in and said, hey, yeah. I want to uh, help do this. You don't need to do a focus group. <laughs> 
They are also in the roadmap. Another interesting thing is that they're bringing more support to Android. So they're going to fix the issue with uh, Android 10, which uh, currently has an issue with background processes. So you can't get Boink on Android 10, or I, I think can't get it to work on Android 10 because of the way that, I don't know, they say, they mention how background, background processes work. But they are also saying in, is this high priority or medium? Let's see. It is high priority. They want to get Android GPUs to actually start running Boink. So what that means is instead of using your CPU on Android, you now also use your GPU on Android. And most of the phones nowadays have really, really good GPUs because, like, I mean, what is it now? We have, like, video games that run on desktop are also now running on on phones now, right? Like, I think we have Fortnite Mobile or something like that. And, geez, the amount of processing you need And I'm so disappointed. Yeah. The amount of processing you need for that is phenomenal. And so being able to take advantage of these GPUs will open up the field, like, drastically to how much computation we can do in terms of phones. And I know there's a lot of people in the Boink network, even in the Boink network Discord itself, there are a lot of people who are using old phones to crunch Boink tasks. And if those phones can also use their GPUs, that would be absolutely brilliant. The um, only issue I see with that is programming it. So projects will need to make a different program for their tasks to be able to run on there. They need to use um, different things. But uh, they are saying that they're going to try and research if there's a way to use OpenCL on phones. And what OpenCL is, it's just a fancy little library that um, programmers use to do computations on graphics cards and graphic processing units. So their plan is to try and to make it easy for people to program and to make it easy to transition and get started, they're trying to tra- they're trying to make a library or something or some sort of program or process to change an OpenCL program for a computer with a computer GPU to an OpenCL program for a phone with a phone GPU. And hopefully that'll be great because then all SETI at home, for example, has to do, as they say here, will just have to simply make a few changes to their code and it'll just be fine. You just need to change like, oh, instead of doing it on a computer, do it phone. And yeah, nothing actually has to change with the OpenCL, just the um, porting to the phone. Um, other small things, just they're trying to work on fan noise. They're trying to see if they can control fans from the Boink manager itself. Um, just because, I mean, for me, when I, whenever I run Einstein at home or something like that, you just hear from my from my um, from my computer, and it's it's a little bit annoying, but hey, you can live with it. For the science, it's just the it's sound the of science. all the uh, all the pulsars. The sound of science. <laughs> it's the sound yeah. of science. Oh my god! Don't play the black hole noise again. <laughs> Um, right, they uh, cool. also, um, before we finish, there is a good one uh, on partnership with companies and universities. Uh, did you want to talk about that, Jay Ringo, or did you want me to go through it? Uh, without going, oh, wait, it's actually right here. Uh, so they want to partner with uh, larger entities and with universities in the same way that they just partnered with TAC. That's basically, yeah, I think the, the goal uh, outlines it all, and I think it's a great idea. Why doesn't Boink have a group of people who actively go to conferences and reach out to universities and email them of, of, and ask them if they want to make projects. Here's this platform that costs a fraction of what you're spending on your computing. Uh, and it, has, it comes with a giant network and community behind it. Why, why do you want to keep using your cluster or using a supercomputer? So uh, I think it's I a think, great idea think, to get going. I think we should get some connections here on the Boink Radio. What do you think? <laughs> 
Yeah, like like who? I don't know. Well, I do have uh, I do know a couple people, um, friends of friends who friends of friends who are scientists. So maybe we could try and get some scientists on there to see uh, how computation can help their science. Ask what they do. Have a little bit of fun uh, asking them questions about their science and stuff like that. So yeah, ho- hopefully we can. If you're a scientist out there listening to this, why don't you come out and reach out to us? We can probably get you on here. <laughs> That would be awesome. You would be so welcome. And there's a room full of people here who would love to hear what you're doing and ask you questions. And then a fairly steady audience out there in the, the internet's listening to the show. So that would be very cool. Yeah. Uh, and also back on to the roadmap, um, they do mention that in the partnership section, they do want to apply to the Google Summer of Code next year. So hopefully, if you're a follower of the Google Summer of Code, look out for Boink, see if they're on there, because that, that'd be great. Like, I don't know, what do you think they'll be doing and just making like new projects or something like that? <laughs> I have no idea what the Google Summer of Code is. <laughs> oh, it's just like a, it's, it's like a big gathering of programs and stuff like that. And they do all hacky stuff and uh, good hacking, good hacking. But um, they, they do lots of different programs. They have programming challenges. They have a big, uh, I think they do have a, a, a um, I think a goal or something like they have to do something and then all the different schools and stuff around the world compete or something like that. But um, yeah, so if you're an avid follower of the Google Summer of Code, make sure you see if Boink's going to go on there. Cool. Uh, yeah, and just to uh, bring in a comment from the Discord and a little clarity here, this is a, a wish list uh, more than a roadmap. Uh, it is broken up into three priorities, high, low, and medium. Uh, so a lot of this is probably not going to get done anytime soon. Uh, and a lot of it also is stuff that the people who run Boink and uh, the, the community could use help in. So if you uh, are listening to us and you're like, oh my God, I'm great at design, come talk to us or jump on the repo. And if you're talking to us, we'll get you basically sent you to the repo and, or get you talking to who you need to be talking to uh, and help out. If you're good with outreach, I know Boink needs help with that. Uh, it needs people who will go to conferences and speak well. So come in and do that. Uh, and the design and the UX, although there is someone who's working on the UX, I, it seems like. Um, but yeah, awesome. Awesome. This is a great document. It's great to see. I think this is the first Boink uh, wishlist roadmap that has ever come out. So uh, good to see. Good to see it comes up. Yeah, um, um, a, a small other point that I just scrolled down past is they're also trying to improve the security too. Because one concern that a lot of people have is with the security of Blink. Like, what if someone, I don't know, um, in, hacks into a project server and puts in like a virus or something into the into the work units, right? And then that gets distributed, all right? They're planning on finding out different security measures they can do to limit that. Uh, some of them are hardware specific. So I think it mentioned like uh, Intel SGX and uh, AMD Safe Zone, if anyone wants to research that. But it sounds like some typical hardware stuff where they segregate different programs into their different memory areas and make sure they don't escape and stuff like that. So uh, fun stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're working on improving the security drastically as well, is what I've read. That's very nice to hear. Because uh, I hear people talking on Discord about that as well, asking questions about exactly that. Uh, and final thought here, and we're going to move on to some sciencey news to wrap up the show. Uh, to contribute, you you can also uh, just go to conferences or talk to your professor or whoever about Boink. I go to conferences fairly regularly uh, for FOSS and uh, other stuff, but no one ever has heard about Boink. No one. I mean, I have. There has been one person where I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I contribute to Boink. It's this open source software that does this infrastructure stuff. One person ever has been like, oh yeah, Boink, cool. 
no one knows yeah, what it is. So, <laughs> so get the name out there. Go out and talk to people. Uh, and you know, if, if you're interested and you're in this software and you're going to like an astrophysics conference or meetup, like, oh, just say the word. Just walk around going boink, boink, boink. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> see how quickly boink, you can get boink, kicked out. Boink. <laughs> whenever, whenever someone starts a sentence in, in the slideshow, boink. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. I hope someone does that and records. All right. So... Let's wrap up on some science news. What's a good one? Uh, a very recent one that I found just hilarious because I think spinning things are a little funny. Uh, yeah, so, some scientists out of Purdue University have broken the record for the fastest spinning object uh, ever. It's spinning at 300 billion RPM, revolutions per minute. <laughs> I don't know why, but to me, that's hilarious. Uh, it's a little nanoparticle that is spun by uh, lasers, essentially. Uh, and that's that's really it. Uh, they think they can do some cool stuff with it, but really it's just a spinning thing that's going <laughs> really quick. Uh, it's shaped like a dumbbell, which is partly why it's really funny. Uh, but yeah, the other, I think the most, the, the fastest spinning natural thing is like 40 some odd thousand uh, RPMs. And that I think is a, a pulsar or a neutron star. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. So 40,000. That's the fastest natural, and this is going to 300 billion revolutions per minute. <laughs> I can barely Jeez. say it without laughing. This thing um, must be producing some like gamma rays or something when it when it spins, because uh, if that's the case, if it, if it spins that fast, if that's the case, I mean, pro, um, pulsars create gamma rays. Some some of them create gamma ray flashes out of their poles. So, geez, I wonder what sort of radiation this thing will be kicking out. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, one use they have for, or they're, they're experiment because it's spinning with light. They're like they're talking about light cells. So uh, what they did is they they put it in a vacuum and they just shot it with light until it went up to 300 billion RPM. Right. So I'm just thinking, well, this proves some concepts about light cells in a vacuum. If we just put up a spacecraft with a sail that is uh, pushed by light radiation, we can get up to some crazy speeds probably. Uh, yeah, and just a quick science explanation. It's all about momentum. Uh, you might not think light pushes, but it does. We just don't feel it. Um, light, when it hits something, it does give up some of its own momentum and some of its energy to push an object, and that's essentially how a light sail works. Interesting stuff. There's uh, I think uh, you also gotta... another post. Uh, yeah, yeah I found one. Um, it's uh, They made the world's smallest uh, par particle accelerator. Now, you might be thinking... Geez, how can they make it so? How can they make it so small? It's about the width of a hair. Like you've seen CERN and LHC and all those things, they have huge reactors, like many, many times the size of a human, and it's just ridiculous. But how does this thing work? Like, how can you make a particle accelerator small accelerator smaller than a human hair? Well, the key is infrared radiation, and essentially, what they do is they had a computer model generate it and they had a i guess probably like a 3d printer or a specialized manufacturing tools to create uh, a sort of interesting pattern that it was essentially computer generated and um essentially what happens is you plug in some uh, you get a particle and then you plug in some infrared radiation and as i just said talking about the momentum of uh, light and how it pushes things the the infrared radiation basically just pushes it they call it the photonic inverse design approach and uh, yeah, it was generated by a computer that uses optimized algorithms to account for light's finicky behavior at the nanoscale structures, which means that we essentially have to deal with quantum mechanics with this. Now, applications of it, 
we don't necessarily know just yet, but it could be used for pocket-sized particle accelerators, pretty much. And, um, <laughs> well, just to explain some of the current uses of particle accelerators, first of all, you can do research on them, so you can figure out, find new particles. You can also create mass, so... Uh, essentially, um, for example, uh, with most particle accelerators, you can accelerate certain atoms into each other and you can essentially smash atoms together to cause fusion, essentially, and make particles. Like, for example, I know there's a particle accelerator or a bunch of a team of scientists who are making a small amount of gold out of their, um, out of their particle accelerator. So you can do stuff like that. And for medical purposes, you can, I think, with... Um, I think you can fire particles out of a particle accelerator onto a target and create certain types of isotopes. So for medical applications, you could have a particle accelerator inside a hospital and make like some essential um, isotopes for uh, medical research and stuff like that. So uh, there are some possible use cases, but as as far as some Boink projects go, um, and even this current research itself, we don't know necessarily what it could be used for, but we will we might find that in the future. It's its only purpose. Its sole purpose in life is to replace my pocket calculator. Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to sing the song for an outro or not? <laughs> I've been trying. I can't think of the song. I can't think of the lyrics. It's bugging yeah, me. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't grow up in that era. All I know is that it exists. So I don't even know it myself, unfortunately. I don't know the lyrics. Okay. Calculator. I don't know. <laughs> this is terrible. Quickly roll the outro. <laughs> Today, this week seems like the uh, episode of radiation, doesn't it? Everything's radioactive at home. We yeah. got light radiation. We got the little particle accelerator radiation stuff. The radiation that's hitting your dumbbells and spinning them at 300 billion revolutions per minute. God, it's hilarious. How is that not funny? That should be funny to everyone. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a scientist, so it's not funny. Uh, it's, sorry. I'm not a proper scientist. I'm a makeshift scientist, but it's not really that funny to me. But it could be funny to everyone. Just it's rather interesting it. to me. Picture the thing just spinning real quickly. Oh, okay. Moving on. Last news article here. We'll get away from the radiation a little bit. Uh, this has to do with the space place, you know, up in the sky and whatnot. They just found a second planet uh, around the closest star to our sun. That star is 4.2 light years away. And it now has a Earth-like world in its habitable zone and a more distant super-Earth. Um, that's kind of cool. I, I just like space stuff, Earth so I thought is. I'd bring it in. Uh, super-Earth is there's some number to it, but it's basically just a really, really big Earth. Uh, that's still a big rocky planet, right? All right, big brother. All right. Got it. <laughs> yeah, here we go. It, it, yeah, so this one is six times the mass of the Earth, uh, and it's orbiting a red dwarf host. Yeah, so who red knows? Maybe we cool. live on a... Yeah, red dwarfs are great, right? <laughs> but no, really, they are. They're nice and cool, and they're great for harboring Earth-like planets. I wonder if they give off enough energy to support life. See, these are the questions that we need SETI to be answering. Well, any star can do that at a particular area. But I mean, we're coming to the end of the episode, so no time to explain that. <laughs> no, to be continued. Uh, Delta, what are we talking about next week? I think we've settled on something, don't we? Uh, I think we're going to be talking a little bit more about credits and how the Boink credit system works, as well as gamification and teams and stuff. Oh, the sweet, sweet gamification that makes Boink so interesting. Oh, man. We've talked about it a little bit in past episodes, but like Delta was saying, it's the credits you get from doing work, and it's the teams you can make and compete with other teams, and there's, there's competitions all over the place. It's really exciting stuff. 
So that will be next week, January 24th at 4 p.m. EST, right here in the Boykin Network Discord server. I want to thank everyone for dropping by and saying hello in the chat, uh, leaving some great comments, listening to us ramble. And also, I want to thank the projects we mentioned this week. That was WCG. Who else did we mention? I, uh, Radioact- we didn't mention Radioactive at Home, but I will also give them a shout out from your project brief, <laughs> Radioactive <Yep>. at Home. <laughs> uh, do we mention anyone else? Uh, I think I mentioned Einstein at home talking about coil wine and fan noise. <laughs> so you did, you did. Einstein at home. Oh man, these are the same projects we mentioned last week. We need to talk about more different projects Damn, next week. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so if you are listening to this and like, oh, our project hasn't been mentioned, tell us what to say and we'll mention it. Otherwise, you know, we'll eventually get to them all. There's a lot of projects out there. Uh, otherwise, yeah, we'll see you all next week. And oh, I forgot to thank one more group of people, the PMC and the developers who did put together that Boink wish list, which is awesome to see. It's really inspiring to see what people want to do with the project who are working at development on a high level. Uh, so I hope they keep communicating in that way. Even if I might not agree with everything on the wish list, like those dang focus groups, it's still awesome to see that they're there. <laughs> Delta, you got anything to say here for the end? Oh, just uh, have a good day or night if you're in America. Uh, and uh, yeah, just see you next time. Should I roll anything? Oh, maybe roll the outro. Oh, no! <laughs> I clicked the wrong button. Oh, <laughs> Let's try that again.